Hello, everyone in the chat. And welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about the whiny man who sits behind a successful woman and copies her homework so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Get Out of Your Own Way by Dave Hollis. Joining us to discuss this self-help book for emotionally stunted men is Margaret H. Willison, who is threatening us with legal action for making her read this book. Absolutely, I am. Yes. Uh, I think that we could say that this case uh, will be test-driven in this podcast episode. So I'm just really going to, I'm going to be making the case that I have suffered irreparable damage from reading this book. Specifically, do we want to, do we want to like ease into things or can I open with the most scarring thing that happened to me while I was reading this book. I do feel like we should do a quick previously on worst bestsellers and just like, okay, fine. This time fine. last year, well, maybe <laughs> almost exactly years, a year ago. Yeah, but maybe two no. years ago, we read Rachel Hollis's first book. Yeah, yeah. Girl, Watch Your Face. Girl, yep. Watch Your Face was one of the last episodes we recorded in my old apartment. Mm-hmm. So it was early 2020. What a what a what babies and innocence we all were then before all of this has happened. Yeah. Um, and then last year for our live show, we did uh Rachel Hollis's latest book. It's not called Girl Wash Your Divorce. But that's but what it's no, called. called it. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Or just or it could just be didn't see that coming. I can't remember. It's one of the two. Yes. But shockingly. When Rachel Hollis titled it that, she didn't mean her impending cancelization for comparing herself to Harriet Tubman because she has a cleaning lady. Um, That was still in the future. Wildly for all of us. She didn't even mean her divorce because when she first drafted the book, they had not yet decided to get divorced. Mm. And only in doing her last round of edits before publishing... Did she? Is that yeah. true? Yeah, it was in the yes. the um well, introduction right. of the book. Yeah, I girl, I washed my brain after I read that book. Yeah, that's <laughs> so smart. That's so could. smart. <laughs> but you know, I feel like we could bring legal action against Rachel Hollis because we spent that episode, if you'll recall, somewhat defending yeah. her because yeah. the book was actually pretty emotionally moving and like well, made us cry like one chapter. there was just like one chapter yeah you know it was i feel like her brother too... died by suicide and she wrote about it really nicely that monster <laughs> even because even her first book which like we found annoying i think we kind of came away from it being like this is fine mm. like we're not the intended audience but it was sort of more progressive than we'd expected for like a hot white Christian mom blogger to be. Yes, yes that's true. Which, and which she is did a low bar, advice. but she did clear it. <laughs> she, she was very, very pro-therapy. And we were like, we're in favor of that. And she was very, very anti-fat people. And we were like, we don't adore that. That's yeah. bad. And also, if you have a nanny and you're writing a parenting self-help book, that should come up in the first chapter and throughout. And if you only mention it one time in one chapter, that's a miss. And also, if you're going to keep talking about, like, taking risks and um, following your dreams and not going to mention your husband's, like, six-figure Disney salary, maybe you do mention that, actually. Maybe you do. Yeah, Yeah, that also. A few times, yeah. 
you know, because it informs it informs some of the things you're recommending. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's Rachel. And then this is her husband, Dave, who who truly I feel like has a more punchable face than Colin Jost. And I feel <laughs> like should, that should have been the book title for this guy. <laughs> If you didn't I, know, I Colin Joe's book is called Highly Punchable. Maybe that's what they can call his third book, which <laughs> I will not be reading, no matter how much I love you. been referring to him solely as this man since we started reading the book. Oh, I've I think been that's... calling him this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think both are as much title as he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other, so after the divorce, initially they were going to continue running the Hollis company together, mm-hmm. but then not long after the backlash against, actually not long after this book came out about against Rachel, uh, in October, about a week after this book came out, apparently it didn't do as well as he wanted. And, uh, Dave got embroiled in what became known as pancake gate, after logging on to do an Instagram live stream where he yelled at his followers for not buying his book, told them that if they can't bother to spend $18 on this book, then why are they even following him in the first place? All the while, his four-year-old daughter uh, was asking for breakfast and... Mm asking him to essentially like pay attention to her like mm-hmm. a father should and right. instead he yelled at her berated her told her that she had to wait for breakfast uh made her run errands for him in the house you know, you know normal things that you do when you're trying to sell a book about how you're like a great parent and you love your family so much but at least at least he didn't try to make her open a can of beans Without understanding how it can open it, so was bad (laughs) food related parenting moment, but it was no bean dad. He was not, yeah. Which happened in this calendar year in the in the previous calendar year. What's time? I don't Mm. know. I we can't everything everywhere all at once. Bean dad now and then. (laughs) Everything everywhere all at once. The three of us might try and go and see it this weekend. See if you can guess which theater in Boston we go to and find, find us. us. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, um, so also, we found out about Dave's book when we were talking about Rachel's book because mm-hmm. the listing for Dave's book said basically it was an excerpt that was like, I thought my wife's self-help book was dumb, but then it was successful. So I decided to write my own book. And we were like, wow, that is such a crass way to talk about your book. <laughs> and the entire book is even more crass than that. Yeah. It's can Bad. you believe? No, it, I can't believe how craven this book is. I and can't, I, I didn't can, think I didn't think my like bar for cravenness, like I thought it was high when it came to Hollis's. I needed it to be higher. I still cannot believe. I'm sure I cannot imagine that anyone remembers the format of Girl, Wash Your Face. We covered that two years ago in pandemic time, which is like 19 years. And I wouldn't expect anyone to. I, too, would like to wash all of this information out of my brain after Mm -hmm. we cover these books. Frequently, it doesn't happen. Some damage cannot be washed away. That's very true. The format of this book 
is literally stolen from the format of Rachel's book. He essentially said to his wife, oh, that stupid book that I didn't think was going to do well is like a multi-week bestseller winning you millions of dollars. Uh, Can I copy your homework, please? Mm-hmm. And like literally explicitly, because if you remember, and I do not blame you if you don't, but the format of Girl Wash Your Face is like every chapter is a lie that Rachel used to believe about herself. Like, I I need to be a perfect mother or like I mm-hmm. whatever. Whatever. I don't remember her lies. But well, we remember the formats. We don't remember the details. Yes. Yeah, I don't need to. Oh, people in the chat are demanding Duarte. And I'm here to tell you that that is a real monkey's paw situation. Because, <laughs> like, many a time when we're recording the podcast, he he loves to walk on a keyboard. He loves to rub his face on the triangle corner of the laptop. He loves to show his butthole on Zoom. <laughs> My microphone setup is so precarious that if mm. he comes in here, I'm, I might lose, you might lose all of us. By all of us, I mean me and Duarte. I think he might knock <laughs> us fully out of Crowdcast. So don't know, don't know, no, no. Uh, haven't seen him in a minute. Sort of suspicious. Can't worry about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what he's up to? But, uh, <laughs> You can see the paw of my friend's dog, Ernie. No, actually, you can see his nose. He's mournfully lying on my bed, resenting me for not paying enough attention to him. (laughs) Right there. He's no Duarte, I know, but look. At least he's not Dave Hollis. Oh, my God. The butthole cut. Can Um, you imagine if I was like, I have Dave Hollis in my bed right there? (laughs) Margaret? And this turned into a live intervention? Out loud has made me want to sue you. Margaret, Bless he did up. maybe break up with his his um, his fitness what? influencer, his, his quote unquote <laughs> toxic Barbie. Yeah, so maybe he's moving to a different kind of influencer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. A toxic um, Barbara, perhaps. That could be like Streisand. That could be good. That could be good. Obviously. Um. So. So I'll just read to you some of the lies that Dave has believed about himself and that he's trying to disprove. My work is who I am. I have to have it all together. A drink will make this better. Being right all the time doesn't make me an ass. Real men don't show emotions. I know what you've been through. Things that are possible for other people aren't possible for me. So those are some of the lies that he's disproving. And uh well, like they're not bad lies to disprove. Yeah, and and I will uh, say are they first, in any way original? No. No. I no. I feel like once again the Hollis family is tricking me into defending Rachel. I know. Uh, but this book is so much worse than Rachel's. It's it's hers but watered down even more. And, you know, we already said, we already described Rachel's books as being sort of like literary Pinterest. And Mm -hmm. Dave's is like, he printed out Rachel's Pinterest and like taped it to the wall and half of it's falling down. Yeah. Uh, It's very much the vibe. Yeah. Um, And just like, so unrepentingly corporate minded. In, like, everything he does. I would just, like, I'm going to quickly take a look at the acknowledgments section of this book. And, 
count up the amount of it that he spent thanking Disney executives because it was not as impressive as the amount of time Tyra Banks spent thanking her uh, luxury hotel accommodation <laughs> in Model Land, but like still noteworthy. That is something I will never wash out of my brain. Hoopla <laughs> is calculating the total pages while trying to show me acknowledgements. So this is just pending information. Oh, Hoopla oh. is showing you its butthole. <laughs> yeah, Hoopla is really showing me its butthole. It's being a full Duarte right now. Okay. All right. We have a full paragraph in a nine paragraph thing that is thinking uh the walt disney company for the almost two decades of support to leadership across the company your championing championing of my past life and belief in me as a leader is an indelible part of who i am okay so this prompts the question should i just sue disney <laughs> they probably have more money than you guys and the damages done to me by reading this book are extreme. Yeah. Uh, I almost guarantee they have more money than us. Yeah. Could we all, could we, could we, the three of us and all of the listeners right now, just like preemptively start a class action suit against Disney and for I inflicting mean, Dave Hollis on us? Disney is so large that they might just like settle out of court. Exactly. For... They might just pay us for this nuisance suit. Right. Here's, and I I will say though, he does no longer work for Disney. Eh. And the reason that he left is because his job wasn't challenging enough because it was too easy to sell Disney movies. And he described himself as being in um working in the golden age of Disney <laughs> because they were launching all the live action, like live action beauty and the beast. And I was like, no one one of those like the golden age of disney was the animated animated films yeah what are you talking about dave um also one of the lies that he's what did he he worked in distribution so he described his job vaguely as like selling the the movies to movie theaters Mm -hmm. which i guess is a job you can have yeah Um, i imagine when you're trying to sell fucking star wars it's not hard what and he literally says that dave says that dave even admits that it's not that hard it's okay because he left that job to do the bravest and hardest thing anyone has ever done attempt to copy his wife's successful career and fail yes um so one of one of his other lies is if they don't need me they won't want me and he talks about how once he realized that rachel's hollis company was so successful and like she didn't need his Disney money. He was starting to feel like emasculated because he felt like he was providing for her and enabling her to take all these risks, which like we talked about how she <laughs> didn't acknowledge that. But then he was like, but then I realized that was a lie. And like, she never needed my money. And even if she'd never been with me, like she always would have accomplished what she was going to accomplish. And like, would she? Maybe. I mean, she probably could have found another mm-hmm. rich husband. Too. See, this is exactly the thing. This is exactly the thing. This is the trap because we have been put in the position of arguing in favor of Rachel. And I want to be like, she probably would have, you know, a lot of white <coughs> women want to be Rachel Hollis, but only Rachel Hollis is Rachel Hollis, right? No white men want to be Dave Hollis. <laughs> can you imagine? Right. No, <laughs> I can imagine few things 
more depressing than wanting to be Dave Hollis. So I just saying, it's like, I agree. She was a cute 18 year old receptionist at Miramax in like what, 1998. This was one person she was going to end up ensnaring, but she had a lot of, she had a lot of rich options in front of her. I'm sure she would have done just fine. So here, and we already, she did describe this in her first book and we talked about it but here's what dave says if you wanted to wonder if it could sound even worse than the way rachel describes it this is this is exhibit a in um in my emotional damages suit against you and the walt disney company that's fair that's fair Mm -hmm. rachel and i first dated when i was 26 years old and she was 18 going on 29 she was a baby she was a small baby rabbit I was the scene from Swingers, afraid I might shred her to pieces with my bear claws. Was it Swingers? Was it Of Mice and Men? Dave? Also, I've never seen Swingers. I don't know what that is. Um, No. I mean, I I know what it is, but I don't know what the bear claws is. No, I do not either. Have any of us seen Swingers? Chat, sound off. Anyone seen Swingers? Okay. We'll check back in with that later. Um, yeah, so this sucks. He sucks. Yeah, wait, <laughs> also- you missed my favorite part, which I'm going to search for now in my uh, Hoopla app, which is um, uh, 19. I'm just going to search for 19, the number, because it's when he says it's really great that he was closed off for all of his 20s emotionally because like one woman like let a man who wasn't him give her back rubs while they were dating um and that apparently scarred him for life uh but he was like i'm so glad that i spent my whole 20s emotionally closed off so that rachel could grow up to 19 um and i could marry my best friend Many people in the chat are saying yeah i saw swingers but no one is explaining the bear thing to me and that's where like I wasn't just doing straw poll. Have you seen swingers? Have you seen swingers? <laughs> and will you explain the swingers quote to me, please? <laughs> um, so very interestingly, the book opens kind of referencing this um, because he talks about how the family was going on a Hawaiian vacation and on the way, the first like set of edits on girl wash your face had come back and so rachel gave him the manuscript to read on the plane and he was so horrified by how baldly they were writing about she was writing about their relationship and how he she so honestly talked about how when they first met he was a total douchebag and like treated her like garbage that he had to drink a a whole handle of vodka over like two days instead of spending time with his children. Which he does helpfully define for the reading audience in case they don't know what a handle of vodka is. Yeah, this whole book is written in the same kind of chatty style that Rachel's book is written in. In an attempt at the same kind of chatty style. Yeah, I was going to say, except bad, except very, very bad and very, very false ringing. It makes you realize what that that Rachel is very good at what she does. 
sorry defending rachel all the time and i hate it but i can't stop it's look <laughs> look uh, i want to check back <laughs> in uh friends of the show grace and jesse have explained that uh, honestly i guess the thing is that the quote from swingers is basically exactly what he was saying was that at the bar they do that oh shocking shocking i like all of the quotes where he's like this quote is sometimes attributed to dr seuss but in fact it was said by like mahatma gandhi yeah. you're like i'm glad that you sourced your quotes so thoroughly dave you were like at some point i gotta say like no one can make you feel small without your consent right okay and he just like knew he heard it somewhere and he just had to go to wiki wiki quote and just figure <laughs> out like who said that Who who's Whose idea was that one? Um, in the chat, uh, Siobhan says, Rachel can reportedly write per Michael Hobbs and maintenance phase. And I'm here to say, per us of this show, we also have said that Rachel can write well. <laughs> <laughs> Citation me, Rachel. Rachel Hobbs is a good writer. I'm just like, I love maintenance phase. I love Michael Hobbs. But I do want everyone to know that we got to this beat first. <laughs> I have been slaving away in the Hollis mines for like <laughs> two years. And then Michael Hobbs just showed up out of nowhere to have a lot of similar opinions that were very well expressed and well reasoned. Yeah. Is he is he more articulate he than us? Does he book? do more research than us? Yes. <laughs> no. No. Does he do more research than us? Yes. <laughs> Did he read as much of the Reddit about the Hollises as we did the other night? Probably not, because he is classy and has taste. And that's bad for everyone. Yes. Um, a couple because... other a couple other sorry, a couple other threads I want to tie up from the chat. Um, yes, agree about the thing about the age difference. And this is something we should talk about in the Rachel apps. It's not that this like six year age difference or eight years is a huge deal breaker, but the 18 to 26 is rough. If it's 30 and 38, like whatever, man, these two, Once everyone can drink legally is a bad scene. You can, you're okay. But prior to that point, it's a no. Uh, yeah. Just the let it down. The fact that she was an assistant and he was an executive also yeah. wasn't great. No. Also, the way that he, like, not to keep delving into their relationship and covering ground, we covered in past episodes, but um, the the fact that he refused to call her his girlfriend and refused to admit they were dating and refused to, I believe, be exclusive with her despite her wanting that and also convinced her to have sex with him even though she was waiting for marriage um by telling her i think if i recall correctly lies about him staying exclusive with her uh that stuff all just adds up to bad news bad news bears yeah by the way i also see that my pronunciation of the name chauvin is being discussed and yes i was nervous when i said it out loud but i carried through with confidence you did um, great you did great it's historically been a problem for me and I know that. And like it, as Dave Hollis says somewhere in this shitty book, you do have to <laughs> fail in order to grow as a person. And Wait, that's somewhere me. in the shitty book. He says it everywhere in this shitty book. Yeah. He says it yeah. That's everywhere. Everything all at once. Yes. Okay. Um, 
Someone also has brought up Dave's tattoo, which reminds me, we should get on track. We did prepare a, <laughs> did. a rough format for this, which was to address a high point and a low point for these, this book in the style of another book podcast, I Don't Even Own a Television, which is a great book podcast also, even though Michael Hobbs is also not on it. Um, <laughs> and we're we're roughly stealing their format. So uh, we're going to okay. talk. We'll okay. talk the tiniest morsels of crumbs to Dave and show a quick, share a quick high point of what we liked about the book. Uh, Margaret, would you like to go first with your high point? Um, I would like to go first with my high point, except I have to find it um, in the book, which my computer is like not super cooperating about. So if somebody else wanted to go in there. I, I have my high point prepared. I'll go first. Amazing. My high point is chapter 12 chapter 12 the lie real men don't show emotion and then the entire text of this chapter is don't be ridiculous of course real men show emotion <laughs> i mean seriously this is that's the not, chapter that's not it's, the entire text he doesn't doesn't he have the next page which is like things that helped me yeah he does also have a stolen from rachel's book also stolen from right. rachel's book but however yeah. this to the point, short, not bogged yeah. down with any gross details. No. no. We love to see it. We do love to see it. Uh, I have mine now, so I can read it. Mine is from the chapter, The Lie. I have to have it all together. Um, and it is about um, how he started as a negotiator. Uh, when I first started, I was clumsy. I approached things with brute force and adversarial confrontation, which set a tone that didn't always make things go as well as they should. He elaborates on that for a little bit, describing how bad he was. And then we get to the good part, which is, uh, then I watched 8 Mile. Yes, the movie about Eminem as B-Rabbit, a white rapper in Detroit trying to make his way out on the back of winning rap battles. That 8 Mile. The end of the movie features an underground tournament championship pitting Eminem against Anthony Mackie. Yes, Falcon was a rapper first. I hope Disney paid him for that mention. <laughs> Eminem led with everything negative that could be said about him in this battle. He was white. He lived in a trailer with his mom. He'd gotten jumped before and his girlfriend was unfaithful. It's unbelievably more graphic but you get the picture he didn't put up a front but in admitting everything that in that his rat battler could possibly use against him by embracing confidently that he absolutely did not have it all together he took all the power away from his opponent so much so spoiler alert that maggie didn't even try to come back with a rap after this devastating performance it turns out inspiration really can come from anywhere. There's more, but I really feel like that's like it wasn't going to get better than that in this book. <laughs> it just wasn't. It just wasn't. He then goes on to do a great length, uh, walk you through how the insights gleaned from Eminem's shocking display of vulnerability in Eight Mile were really useful to him in boardrooms throughout the Merv Griffith Company, 20th Century Fox, and Disney. Um, but we don't have to go into that because you folks aren't idiots. And I think you're probably already aware of the lesson 
Eminem taught all of us, which is that like if you clown on yourself before other people clown on you, they can't clown on you as well. And you are given points for your self-awareness. When he tries to apply this to his uh, emotional relationships, he doesn't fully confront how incredibly manipulative it is and how like it does seem like it might um, position him to like not absorb the sharp critiques from the many angry emails from Rachel. He quotes in toto in this book. Um, but, you know, I think that that is a topic for the book about marriage problems the two of them were apparently planning to write before they broke up i found out from the post uh book interview between the two of them on the audiobook oh by the way also someone in the chat asked if this book came out before or after they were divorced this was before yeah um it came out like early 2020 and then the divorce was june 2020 yeah, I misspoke before when I said it was this book that he was trying to sell during Pancake Gate. It was his second book that actually he was trying to sell when that all happened. Which he talked about a lot also in that post thing interview. Apparently it was very like nautical themed. As you know, boats aren't supposed to do, guys. They aren't supposed to just sit in harbor. <laughs> you gotta you gotta take your boat out of harbor and be unmoored. <coughs> And, and and fail and sink and fail and fail and sink <laughs> and get divorced from your from your wife i also really do like him describing himself as a recovering codependent and then demonstrating that he's in no way recovered from that but that's subsequent that was my high point right my high point and again much like rachel's book there is good advice in this book in places yeah usually crypt from other people's books possibly his yeah life. probably yes um and there it, there are you know things that i have to give him a small smidgen of credit for um you know a, a small one but the pretty small it's pretty it's pretty small um but my high point i think is in general the chapter on that it's the lie is it's not my job to fix everything for them Mm -hmm. and it was actually a pretty i don't know if i can say moving well right if you didn't know the entire story of their journey through foster care and adoption again from Rachel's tragically, I hate to keep saying it, superior book. Like, I hate to keep praising her book, but like, unfucking fortunately, it was better. If you didn't know that, you'd be like, this is pretty moving, up to and including the guy named Noah, yes. who tells them they can't possibly give up, which is why the daughter he was ignoring during Pancake Gate is named Noah, even though, generally speaking, not a girl's name. I don't want to police boundaries and things like that. You know, gender is a construct. Tell it to Noah yeah. Cyrus. Okay. I would uh, tell it to Billy Ray's achy, breaky heart <laughs> right now. No, don't. <laughs> Show me the way. As as Margaret alluded to, this chapter goes in-depth into um, the fostering and then adoption journey that Rachel and Dave went on um, after their four biological sons were born. They really wanted a daughter. They decided they were going to adopt their daughter. Initially, they were going to do an international adoption, and it fell through, and then they were fostering, and after 
fostering some kids who needed emergency placements. They got a call that there were these two babies that like needed a placement right now and they were like ready to adopt. But it turns out that the social worker had kind of told them a tale in order to get the kids placed as soon as possible. And they actually weren't ready to adopt and they ended up going back to bio family. Um, And, you know, they were, they were going to give up and then uh, they, didn't give up because a man named Noah at a restaurant heard them crying, heard Rachel crying about uh, their, you know, the, the struggle that they were having trying to adopt and told and them. And he came over to their table and he slammed his fist down and he said, you can't quit. You can't yes. give up. Why couldn't they quit and give up? Um, what was Noah's deal? He he had been adopted as a child and mm. his parents struggled for a very long time to adopt before finding him and if it wasn't for their struggle he wouldn't be where he was and that whole thing and it, it is it is like a, a very moving story um you know it's told very frankly mm-hmm. and i also do relate in the end he starts to get into a little bit about how he is you know has this belief that it's his job to fix everything for the people around him and that you know it's really hard for him to to see the people that he loves in pain because when he thinks that there's something that he can do to make it better. And that is something that I also struggle with in my life. I try frequently to go out of my way to try and fix things for people. Uh, And it's not good. It's one of those things that as I'm doing it, shut up, Sarah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That as I'm doing it. Um, I do recognize is like, you know, bad for me and I need to take a step back. Uh, but, but I, and I am trying and failing largely, but I, it was something that I could relate to in this book, um, and was not, you know, terribly written as Margaret said, knowing Rachel's version of this story, it was a little like, okay, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, but... I feel like I've read this chapter before. Exactly. Only, again, it was slightly better written. Uh, yeah. Two things but... I want to say. Um, first of all, Kate, do you remember what they served at that restaurant where Noah was? $22 grilled cheese sandwiches. Wow. Yeah. Which, yeah. I'm just eating that now for later. <laughs> um, oh, this then, is important. Okay. And then uh, people in the chat are asking how uh, be a lot to be said about noah as a girl's name and i was uh, seeing that my uh, ignorance yeah, is fully checked thank you a, a again as a noah cyrus fan i know um and people <laughs> are also asking if noah hollis has an h in it and yes it does have an h in it. it is spelled like biblical noah yeah. in english right okay so those are the high points that's all of them let's move on to the low points I'm going last because my point is the lowest and I don't think anyone can argue with that. Yeah. I will. Or is it the highest? Bless I up, Margaret. We'll find out. Bless up. Mm. This bullying <laughs> won't stand. <laughs> um, I'll go first because I do have a prop, I guess. Um, <laughs> so 
I we had a little pre-show meeting a few days ago and I had finished reading the book because of my anxiety and these two hadn't gotten there yet and I was like guys there's a part I can't wait to get to this part and and um and we were debating whose low point it would be and mm-hmm. I was saying that like as the token straight person perhaps it's not my role to have this be my low point um, and and these two vibrant queer women were like, no, as the token straight, it is your yeah. duty to have this be your low point. As the Ali Gaga of this group. Yes. <laughs> right. This is what had to happen. Yes. And so Dave Hollis, when he worked for Disney, he was involved with the like LGBTQ affinity he group was- or whatever. He was given the charge of a truly terrifying number of diversity groups, which he had no identity alignment with. Just staggering. It was like a real indictment of Disney's whole situation that Dave Hollis was like, that's definitely the guy. (laughs) He's the one who should run that group. Yes. And so his title was Chief Ally. So he's the chief ally of Disney, which won't even let Josh Gad be gay in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and, right. and that's his allyship. And then it was so meaningful, which again, I, he's not in charge of the movies. I guess it's not like his fault per se. If he was in charge however, of the movies, if he was in charge of the movies, he would have made the exact same decisions. And he was in charge of global distribution, which arguably is like why all of the bad choices that get made in those movies get made. It's like, so like, look, there are a lot of people in the United States. I'm sure they are happy to cater to as well, who are all homophobic. But in terms of their media market, it's primarily the Chinese government that they have to please. And that's why all of the exclusively gay moments are so easy to just snip right on out of the narrative. Just, just, just gone. (laughs) So he was just as at fault as many people would have been, if not more so. Certainly more at fault than just Gad. And I hate him. So I mean, to blame him for something I think is very brave and generous of me. You you are so brave. You have you have overcome so much to be here, Margaret. In this difficult season, I really come yeah. through. And so I'm not even to like the coldest part of this difficult season, no. which is no. that he was so moved by his experience as chief ally that he got a tattoo. On his arm that well, he got a tattoo that says ally. And so I was telling you about the ally tattoo. And <laughs> and I forget which one of you, one of you two was like, is it knuckle tattoos? And I was like, that would be so good. <laughs> I think it uh, but it's not. And you'll see a photo of it later in a slideshow I have prepared, but it's on his <laughs> arm. And um, but I was like, wouldn't that be funny though? I got an <laughs> tattoo. Yay. And then I was like, wouldn't it be funny. funny if the other hand said cats? So it was alley cats. <laughs> and uh I And did... then we talked for longer than we're ever going to admit about whether the letters would be facing forward in the cameras. <laughs> Before yes. we realized that they definitely would be because Paris and New York right behind Renata's head certainly are. Yes, we had to yeah. practice. Like and then I made um I made my roommate write this on my hand. <laughs> because I wanted Renata it to be read. straight. Um and she did this with no question. She's yeah, this sounds like something you would do. <laughs> 
I mean, to be honest, yeah, that sounds it's like something that your roommate would do. Have that on, on tattoo yeah. on you already. Yeah, no question. So, um, I'm just I'm so proud to be an ally <laughs> to, to cats. you and, and to cats, cats. <laughs> <laughs> and to alley cats above all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's that's my low point. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> What's um, incredible is that the points keep getting lower after the ally tattoo. <laughs> so you should just be prepared for that, Kate. <laughs> so my sorry, I just saw that Sarah called Lindsay no questions Lindsay in the chat, which is <laughs> accurate. It's so accurate. <laughs> Lindsay being Renata's roommate. Um, (laughs) So my low point is, as I have mentioned before on this podcast, my day job, I work in behavioral health. um, And Dave has a whole chapter on addiction, uh, which he has called uh a drink will make this better is the lie Mm. that he is disproving um and (laughs) and, um in theory like this should be something worthy of praise except except that uh he he doesn't have a problem with alcohol he doesn't have an addiction Mm -mm. it's just willpower People can stop drinking if they just have willpower. You just yeah. need your willpower to not use drugs or drink. And that's all it takes. And if you don't, you're just lazy and you're not working hard enough and you're not working up to your potential and you're making excuses for yourself. Mm. And I, you know, there's a lot of times in this book that I wanted to punch him in the face, like yeah. a lot. Like when he was talking in the final chapter where he's like, look, if you still have a relationship with fast food, that's okay. Live your life. But it's never going to be exceptional. Yeah. Right? Like, and he kept going in that vein. And I was yeah. like, it, I, I think that's true. Uh, that was the time I wanted to punch him in his face, but not as much as I wanted to here. Yeah. I just, it was, I had to take my headphones off and... <laughs> angrily like march around my house <laughs> because <laughs> there was nowhere else to go <laughs> just stomp around to get all of my anger out and then put them back on and keep listening and then stop again and do that again like it was infuriating I just and then like there's one throwaway line that goes in there where he's like, of course, like there are yeah. some people who struggle with addiction, and I understand he says, that. Here, I don't want to discount the disease that is addiction in any way. If you are someone who can't control your impulses and are making choices that don't serve you, your relationship or your future, own it. So it's like I don't want to discount the disease that is addiction in any way. And then immediately, he seems to be discounting the disease that is addiction in the most predictable way possible by characterizing it as being someone who truly can't control your impulses. Um, uh, fuck that guy. Pride fuck be the barrier between you and a version of you who can more aptly handle the crap you're dealing with. Fuck this How man. How long had he been sober 
when he wrote this, or excuse me, we shouldn't even say sober because sober implies that he's in an addiction place. How long had it been since he'd had a drink when he wrote this chapter? Can anyone remember? Because I can. I, it was like 336 days. No, was that five was months. how long it was going to be when the book came out. Ooh. It had been five months when he wrote this chapter. Right. Five yeah. months about how he'd gone from regularly drinking vodka because people wouldn't be able to smell it on his breath purportedly although sources sources lacking yes <laughs> he specifically talked about all of the times that he was problem drinking the depth that he got into this problem where he was he specifically mentions yeah i drank vodka and i drank it with everything and like no one could yeah. smell it like i, I chose vodka because no one could smell it on my breath yeah um, I'm trying to find a description of it because it is, again, it is like, if this is followed by him being like, and then I realized I was an addict and I needed to go to rehab to address the addiction. You would be like, wow, like this is really, like this is brave. This is a lot more vulnerability than I was expecting from this person. And this could really do some good. Oh, wait, one of Rachel's incredible angry emails is in here. Um, this is when uh, he was, he was preparing himself. Oh, if you aren't willing to put your comfort at risk, you better prepare yourself to settle for a mediocre life. Great. Cool. Yeah. Throughout um, the book, he highlights angry emails that he prints yeah. theoretically verbatim that Rachel sends him at various points in their marriage yes. about how he's a bad person. <laughs> so here we have a classic. Uh, when medicating my anxiety during our transition from California to Texas turned me into drinking a little too much a little too often, Rachel confronted me in a way that only she could. You want to get anxiety under control? Do the work. You want to drink less? Take it Seriously, get a plan. Stop before you have too much. I've been trying to help you with these problems for two years and I'm tired. Stop talking about it and start doing something about it. You are in control of your life. Your shame doesn't serve you when you make a mistake. Do the work, get help if you need it, and stop making excuses. I love you, Dave, but I can't save you. You need to save yourself. Which... There are some things in there that I support. And then there are some other things in there where, again, we are framing a problem of addiction as like, a, like you just need to stop being such a little pussy and really work on it that I I'm don't like, love. Here's the thing, too. If he was at a place in his recovery, in his life, where he truly had not reached a place of acceptance for himself of like, yes, I have an addiction – but then went on to say, like, yes, I had a drinking problem, but, like, you know, there are people who have, like, if he had treated addiction like a real thing instead of literally one half of a throwaway sentence, but refused to admit his own problems, that would, I can understand that. Like, that happens. Everyone's on their own recovery journey. It's not a straight line, you know, and it starts when you can accept that you need help in the first place. But to... to spend this entire chapter making it about willpower and like I'm stronger than you and it's just a decision that you have to make like I want it to walk into the sea 
and bring Dave with me and tie bricks to him and leave him in the sea and then walk out of the sea myself. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, for all of us, you're being a little unfair when you say that that's all this chapter was about. Because oh, there God. is another thing he mentions in this chapter. That before, is- you, before you get to that, Margaret, I just really... I. I would like to award one of my coveted bonus points to Ashley for <laughs> typing Dave wash your vodka 27 times. Under- <laughs> <laughs> uh, there have been some other really good ones, but um, that's a bonus point. Ashley, please, <laughs> please enjoy. <laughs> that is, that is absolutely right. Um, um, also people are talking about why are Dave and Rachel emailing each other so much? It's because they work a lot and they're traveling and they're going to like Oprah conferences. Like, right. Very busy Oprah conferences, but it's okay. It's okay. They meet every Sunday to talk about who's going to pick their kids up from where. And, um, they have a date night every week. Yeah. Well, they, they did. <laughs> right. They did. It did not save um, their marriage. Spoilies. Nope. Spoilies, spoilies. Um, I'm just going to search for the specific phrase that uh, will now forever scar me. Um, here we go. It's, it's also in the doc, but maybe I not. I know, as much as but I needed it to be in the context that okay. I originally saw it in because I need it to uh, be sprung upon folks uh, with, the, with the same... There we go. I found it with the same um, ferocity of, with which it sprung upon me. Um, so here we go. Uh, in real time, I haven't had a drink in more than five months. In doing so, I have been more focused as the complexities of the business have scaled. I have been more productive as the team has grown from four to 44 in the past year. All while writing this book, I've been engaged with my kids and more intentionally with my wife. I've dropped weight and had more energy and a sex life that's better than ever. Bless up, literally. But, um, <laughs> but <up>. also, <laughs> literally, in earlier case, in, in early. Case- in case the implication of that sentence is a little <gasps> bit lost on you, I will emphasize that earlier in the chapter, he did make reference to the way alcohol made his dick not work as good. Yeah. And here's how so, he did it. I have that quote. Oh, it thank af- you. It affected Great. our sex life, dot, dot, dot. Yes, it messed with italics, the thing you're thinking. Which is not a thing I cared to think about. No. In reference to Dave Hollis. No. And I don't want to have to go through life thinking what I am now going to think every time I hear the words bless up. But I will. And no amount of washing my face or my brain is going to remove it. Only a healthy settlement of funds from the worst bestsellers and the Disney Media Corporation could possibly cure the pain I have inflicted on me and all of the wonderful people who've come to this event, including our friend Anna's son, 
George. <laughs> Bless up, George. <laughs> and I will ask you, did Kate and Renata send me flowers as a thank you for appearing on this podcast? They did. They're very beautiful tulips. Lovely. Um, you would think that was a kind gesture. But did the card's message include the words bless up? <laughs> it did. Which means <coughs> a trauma trigger disguised as a gift. A vicious trauma trigger disguised as a gift. Mm-hmm. It's just bullying through tulips. And I, just, I didn't I know don't deserve this ally tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> take the cat's tattoo away as well. <laughs> no tattoos for you. Um, yeah. So bless up everybody. Bless up. Bless down. <laughs> uh, bless oh, oh my God. Out. Okay. We need to move on shortly, but I forgot there's such rich content that I forgot I have buried a little surprise for us in the you Google did. Doc. You did. Is this, this is, okay. So throughout this book, you have so many moments where you're like, wow, this is a marriage heading straight for a divorce. But no moment was more, wow, Dave is writing about his future ex-wife than the anecdote that I'm going to summarize that Renata has important and secret context about for us. So the anecdote is Rachel in the chapter where Dave was talking about how like you have to let people experience disappointment. Right. Rachel is talking about like some media deal she really wants to make. And Dave trying to shelter, shelter her from the pain of the disappointment of failing says, babe, it's like a one in a million chance that this is going to work out. And she was like, they've already set up follow up meetings with me. Like, and he was like, okay, like maybe a 3% chance. Right. And then we fast forward a couple weeks. He he then does like a little tap dance about how like, oh, I was just sheltering her from disappointment. It's like, mm. or you were threatened by her success and you were trying to cut her down to size. You know, who could say? Bless up. God will have to tell us. Anyways, um, a couple weeks later, uh, he came into the kitchen and Rachel pushed a little box towards him and was like, you bought me something. And he was like, oh, my God, so thoughtful of me. Like, what did I buy you? And she was like, open the box and find out. And he opened the box. And it was a little charm bracelet, I presume, from, like, the Pandora, like, charm bracelet company. And the charm just said 3% on it. And she was like, turns out, like, I've got a nationally syndicated cable show now, right? That you said I only had a 3% chance of getting. And then she just wore that charm on a bracelet just like every single day while she went around living her like non-mediocre exceptional life. And he was like, isn't that, isn't that a brave, like, isn't that a great story about like a woman who like wouldn't let herself be kept down? It was like, that is a great story about a woman who is going to divorce you so Mm -hmm. soon. I'm so shocked that she bought that charm and it wasn't just like, here's my 3% charm and the divorce papers you've been served yeah (laughs) that's like how it should have gone it is yet another moment where i'm like man like fucking rachel has balls and i kind of love that she has balls and would that she applied them a little bit better yes yes okay she's chutzpah tragically misapplied okay so here's the thing about the three percent 
is in mm-hmm. Rachel's telling of it, she doesn't really say what it was. She just says there was like something she was excited about that Dave said I had a 3% chance of doing. And on the, and people were like speculating, like, what was this? People on the Hollis um, Reddit were saying that Flash maybe Hollis it was like, uncensored or whatever. Yes. <laughs> we're saying maybe it was her. Cause I looked into this at the time we read that book and it was like, no one really knew what she meant. Mm-hmm. And some people were speculating it was her novel that she wrote, which I, anyway. So then in Dave's version, he gives a bigger clue and he says that she has a nationally syndicated talk show. And I was like, wait, when did that happen? And you know what? You know what? Dave thought she had a 3% chance of getting was a quibby. (laughs) He thought she had a 3% chance of getting a quibby. But she got a quibby. she didn't divorce him because i'm sorry your husband thought you rachel hollis couldn't get a quibby like i feel like we could have gotten a quibby i'm surprised that we didn't have three quibbies right i feel like duarte could have gotten his own quibby honestly i think duarte would have been the most popular quibby of all of us yeah (laughs) we should does everyone in the chat know what a quibby is People are reacting, but perhaps there are podcast listeners in the future who do not know. The Quibi right. were these, like, it was short for, like, Quick Bit, I think. Quick, quick, quick Bites. Quick, quick bites. bites. And it was um, Steven Spielberg's idea of how he was going to revolutionize our short attention spans and um, use our phones to create cinema. Right? But only for two to three minutes at a time. I think six to seven. Yeah, I think seven minutes was, like, the max. They That's- were, like, bit- Speaking as an older millennial, that's too long. Yeah. Well, listen, if I have to turn the sound on on my phone, I'm already mad about it. Thank you, Margaret, for always putting subtitles on your Insta stories. It's more accessible. Because I will never turn the sound on ever for anything ever. Bless up. Respect. (laughs) Bless up. Volume down. Yes, exactly. Very well put. Very well put. Um, but yeah, yes, Quibby. Um, and just like everyone had a Quibby. Um, it wasn't like every Hilton, comedian other, you've ever heard of, and other, all the ones you never one, heard of. Other one from Paris Hilton, what was her name? Nicole Richie. Nicole Richie had a Quibby. That was actually supposed to be good. Um, there was there was a, a narrative Quibby about a woman with a golden arm whose golden arm was slowly poisoning yes. her to death, but she that's wouldn't get true. rid of the golden arm. She wanted to be buried with it. I know this much because that's the one Quibi that people like jailbroke out of the Quibi system and like reposted to Twitter because it was so absurd. And it was starring Rachel Brosnahan, famous non-Jew, playing famous Jewish fictional character, Miss Maisel on the... Marvelous Mrs. Maple. Fabulous Mrs. Maple wouldn't make any sense because that's not alliterative. So now that Quibi's gone, the Roku channel has absorbed a lot of yeah, their... all the Quibi, all of the Quibi content is now yes. on the Roku channel. Um, is... And that actually is part of a series called, I think, 50 States of Horror. Um, oh. And there are, some, there are some gems in there. I do recommend well, looking go. through it for some gems. There was definitely some stuff on here. I was like, God damn it, Quibi. Am I going to have to watch Quibi? The answer was no. 
I didn't have to watch Quibi. I just waited for the app to die, and now it's on Roku. And eventually, I'll watch the show with like um, Paula Pell, like um, flipping haunted houses. I think that was a show. Oh, now I have to find that one. Yeah, honestly, that, that one sounds, sounds great, right? Yeah, it sounds very good. Anyways, I'm sure Rachel Hollis's Quibi is there, but like, it's called the Rachel someone, Hollis Show. If someone had told me first. I had a one in a million chance of getting a Quibi and then grudgingly amended it to I had a 3% chance of getting a Quibi. I don't break up with people for healthy reasons or rapidly. Uh, and I don't hold my own dignity in high regard, <coughs> but I would have walked out of the room and simply never spoken to that person again. That person would be dead to me. I would have given them the cut direct every single subsequent time I saw them. And I think that's the only rational response to somebody saying you have a 3% chance of getting a quibby. All of us in this country were born with certain inalienable rights and at least 4% chance of having a quibby is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> the lie. You don't deserve a quibby. <laughs> There's one more thing I want to say before we move on, which is just like the pettiest thing. But there's a chapter called I don't fucking remember. Um I can phone it in and be just fine. And the the conceit of that chapter is that I can. You you should like be aware of the fact that even when you don't think people are watching you and paying oh attention to God. what you do. That Ranch people are deposit. always watching you and paying attention to what you do. And it is the most supreme version of tell me you don't have anxiety without telling me you don't have anxiety <laughs> that I have ever, like, as he said, I'm walking around my block listening to this audiobook, and he's saying, like, you know, people are paying attention to, like, what you're wearing and what you're doing, even when, you know, you don't think they are. And I'm like, what well, world do you live in where, like, you don't leave your house thinking everyone is looking at me and judging me every single second and judging me poorly at that? Like, what a nice Kate, life that must be. Kate, you know, what was important is that Steve Jobs told him that <laughs> every interaction someone has with you or your brand, you're making either a brand deposit or a brand withdrawal, right? Every single interaction, right? So you can't just show up normal because every single person could be the quote unquote secret shopper of your life, yes. right? And eventually, if you were mean to that guy who never really gelled with the rest of the team at, I don't know, the Merv Griffith company, someday he's going to be on the other side of the table from you when you're making deals at, I don't know, 20th Century Fox. And it's going to be very important that you, Dave Hollis, were insincerely nice to him despite thinking he was a weirdo because he's not going to scuttle that deal you're trying to make, right? And and that's why you should be a good person for capitalism. The only word that he says more than season in this book oh, is brand. God. Yes. Yeah. I think that that is, I think that is the dark indictment of Dave Hollis, which is yes. Rachel also just like, I have forgotten how relentless the season of listening to them deem everything a difficult season was going to be until I was in the middle of that season and I was like oh my god this word 
just it's just every everything's a season everything's a season he, he um, is we're in, worse we than her even March. Well, but, but this is the thing this is the thing is it's like season is bad but like it's kind of useful like like am i gonna sometimes look at my life and be like wow i somehow managed to in a six-week period get dumped before a first date twice real thing that really happened to me right and am i the second time that happens gonna think to myself you know for me and hinge this is this is a difficult season you know this is a difficult season i might i might it's useful it's a useful conceit and it, it's grounded in something meaningful to a lot of different people and that's why that they use it the brand thing is really where dave hollis just drags himself down into the depths of absolute spiritual depravity right because it's like all of this self-help stuff all of these ideas about how to be a better person in the world ultimately boiled down to like yeah i guess you're not your salary david i guess you're not your job mr hollis right but at the end of the day the greatest good you can imagine getting out of any of these lies being not true is that like you're gonna be more baller in business your brand is just going to be that much stronger you're like your strategic thinking in the boardroom is going to be that much more impressive to those disney executives you are going to keep praising despite the fact that they do not care about you at all anymore and never will again um, I just want to hop back to seasons. People in the chat, some people don't remember the seasons thing or aren't familiar oh, with it. Oh, God. Um, good for you. It, I'm so happy for you. I, I don't think Rachel invented this. I do think this is she a, did. a, this a, is a Christian thing. Christianity. Yeah. This is a thing, especially in evangelical Christianity. I think we yes. were told after we talked about it extensively the first time we went on of their books. Yes. I'm I'm just commenting on comments where some people are saying, oh, he stole this from Rachel and others are correctly saying, oh, it's Christian. Yes. Mm -hmm. However, I think the truest people are the people who are making rent references. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is also you where are, we took it. You are the most correct. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, I, I, you know. all that to say, I never got on to explain. It's just a way of saying like a hard time, like the idea yeah. that your hard times are cyclical and you might have a hard you season, know, but then a, a good season. Do you know that bird song? Which is like it's a season for loving. Turn, turn, turn. You know? Yep. That one. That one. That's based on a Bible verse, I'm told. And I think yeah. that that Bible verse is the one that is referenced in the concept of seasons. Right? Which is like there's like a season for sowing. And there's like a season for reaping. Yeah. And yeah. all that makes me think of is like the um the meme that's like me sewing. It's like, ah, yeah. Like, this is dope. This is dope. And it's like me reaping. I was like, oh, fuck. This sucks. This is terrible. <laughs> and that's me. That's me every night sewing and me every yes. morning. Thing. Oh my God! People are people are bibling at us in the chat, and I I cannot oh. engage with this. I'm only prepared Bust to engage up. with friends. Bust up. <laughs> um, guys, I'm so happy to keep measuring my life with you in uh. In daylights and sunsets, in midnights and cups of coffee, in Dave's, in Rachel's, in laughter and tears, <laughs> in, in, in seasons Noah's, of Hollis, in, in Noah's, Noah's, Cyrus, in and Noah's, Hollis. in Disney's, <laughs> um, in two hundred and fourteen pages, in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in inches of Dave's 
dick before and, end and alcohol. Oh, you said it again. You did it again. You brought it up again. It's in here until Disney can pay it out. It's going to be in there too. And that was for the listening audience. Me pointing at my head and then at Renata and Kate's heads. <laughs> Let us move on to the season of dramatic readings. Wonderful. And I'm prepared to start because I'm I support that. furious about this one. <laughs> this is from The Lie entitled, I Know What You've Been Through. I'm debunking the lie that I know what you've been through. I'm working every day to learn a bit more of what it might mean to walk in your shoes. But I say that knowing that I've only ever walked in mine. This is a fine thing to say. Here's where it gets less fine. For me, it starts with acknowledging that I'm a man. I don't say that in the voice of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dave, you get this man's name out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. Dwayne The Rock Johnson does not go in for this toxic masculinity. Okay. End of my commentary for now. I don't say that in the voice of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm just clarifying that I wrote this from the perspective I've had in my life as a human born with a penis. (sighs) That went sideways. Okay. Yes. I'm not a woman is another way of saying it. Okay. If you are a woman, I don't know what it means to have had your experience in life the way my wife might. I only know my own. I simply cannot unpack this conflation of penises and genders. I will simply move on. Secondly, I happen to be a Caucasian, heterosexual, able-bodied, Christian, American man. Said another way, I haven't had the journey that would allow me to know how a person of color, someone who's gay, someone who lives life with a physical disability, or someone who practices a different form of faith or group in a country with fewer freedoms than mine may have worked through what I have. I've never experienced grief from a loss in my immediate family. Never experienced the trauma some have while serving in our military. Don't know what it's like to battle depression. I have empathy and respect for those experiences, citation needed, but I can't speak to what it's like to live any of those lives. I don't claim to know it, but I do work to listen and understand. You see, when those different life experiences introduce additional obstacles that might get in someone's way, particularly in ways I can't relate to or don't personally experience, that's a form of something in my life called privilege. I didn't fully appreciate this idea in my younger years, but it takes intentional work to understand why those obstacles exist for others and how their lives are affected. The younger, sheltered version of me didn't have the benefit of learning from the community with the vast array of experiences that exist in this world of ours. I needed a firsthand look at what it might be like to live life in a different way. It has been a game changer for how I approach just about everything. I'm grateful for that perspective shift. In fact, I was so grateful that I got a tattoo. It's a single word. Ally. (sighs) And, and by the way, I do think there are grains of, of good stuff in there. And I think that there certainly are like white man business books that wouldn't even acknowledge as much privilege as he has here. And and yet still barf. Yes. Major barf. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I am going to read 
Uh, initially, I was going to read the 3% part, but we covered that pretty well. Mm-hmm. So instead, I'm going to read one of the mean emails that Rachel oh, sent to Dave. There God. are so many of them in this book. So many of them. <laughs> I'm surprised that he didn't have, like, mean email from Rachel in, like, every chapter the same way he has the things that helped me. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, email my wife sent me that bitch slapped me into shape. <laughs> so... This is when he has moved from Disney to uh, running the Hollis Company and is running into issues because he is trying to run the Hollis Company the same way he ran Disney, even though it's a very different situation. Um, so here, here is this and the email that Rachel sends him about it. To make things worse, operating out of my old playbook meant I wasn't involved enough in the details to proactively navigate around potential bumps. I didn't know enough about what to watch for, and I felt insecure in admitting it. As a result, we made less money, disappointed the community more than we should have, and had most of our team running too fast on a treadmill with no end in sight. When it came to a head, I had the benefit of a business partner who was comfortable enough pushing the issue even if it made things uncomfortable for a little while, to give us the opportunity to make it right. I had a founder and COO who was willing, as she had been in the past, to come forward and risk it not being easy in order for it to be better. We had a conversation where she'd questioned my passion for being the CEO of the company. It stung. The next day, Rachel sent me an email that was a hard read and a totally necessary kick in the rear. She used one of her superpowers making things crystal clear. And this is the email. I know you are passionate about building this company. I know that. What I asked was whether or not you're passionate about being CEO of a small business. It's very different than the job you had before. I worry because you seem to be approaching it in the same way. You seem to be doing what you know instead of asking questions, trying to learn, and growing in the areas you aren't as strong. I admit my business weaknesses and failures all the time because in that humility, I'm able to learn and get help. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like you can receive negative feedback ever. Even last night, you never owned any fault. You only blame the team for not telling you what's going on. Of course, they should be more open than they have been. But even in that, the humble question would be, how am I showing up as a leader in a way that makes my team afraid to come to me for help? You tell me I need to tell you what I want you to do. You've been saying that ever since we made the decision to join forces. But my frustration comes because I shouldn't have to tell you the problems we have at work. Don't you get that? Your team shouldn't have to tell you the problems. You should be so in the business that you know our weaknesses and can work on the strategy to make us stronger. That's my frustration. You're not in the business. You're floating above it. A CEO can and should work from 50,000 feet but not with a business team and industry this new. Not when you've never done this work before. Maybe that's not what you believe, but it's what I believe. And my frustration comes because I don't feel like I can tell the CEO of the company I founded things I'm concerned about. It goes on for three more paragraphs. Rachel, why did you make this man CEO? I I know who hurt you, but this is still (laughs) such a bad choice. I've read your two previous books, so I'm aware. I'm aware who hurt you, but still, Rachel. I do have to admit, here's here's the one, the one iota of respect <laughs> I'll give Dave Hollis. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He fucking printed this email in he his did. book. He was like, my wife sent me a mean email and I am printing her damnation of my attempts like, to work with her in my book for all to see. Like, is it something Kate, he gets off on? Like, No, why? Kate, 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 Kate. It's like you didn't even read the chapter about 8 Mile. <laughs> all of Rachel's mean emails into the book and publishes them. Rachel can never use those mean emails against him again because he's owned the faults that are implied in them and he's shown us that he's beyond them. Even he won if- the rap battle with his wife. He did. He did. She didn't even try to come up with a response. She just left the room. Just like what? Anthony Mackie, who would in the future play Falcon in the Captain America movies made by the Walt Disney Corporation who will be paying me for the way this man hurt me. um boy that was a strong choice as a as a as a read kate and i support it and i found the section i referenced earlier about fast food from the conclusion and you know finding the best part of this bad conclusion to read was difficult because it also does have the um same theme that Rachel harped on, which is basically like, if you spend time with fatties, you are going to get fat. Because I don't know if you've heard, but Charles Duhigg says, you are the five people you spend the most time with. Um, so just which think I about have that. To say, the five people since the pandemic that I've spent the most time with in person have been like Renata and her roommate, my roommate. Um, our sister wives, Grace and Ashley, and my cousin and her actual wife. So I'm fucking awesome. Yeah, you're like, crushing. Like, I'm amazing. Yeah. If I'm the fine people I spend the most time with, I'm phenomenal. I've never felt better about myself in my I life. No. Right. So actually, We're you know, thank you, Dave. Very well. Dave and Jim Rohn and every other personal development person it's been attributed to for giving me this insight into how fucking baller I am. Yeah. The five people you spend the most time with is so much better than the five people you meet in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Um, Okay. So here we go. Um, First, he talked about how you've got to focus on what you consume in media, including he bravely mentions porn. Um, And he's just like really sure that you, the reader, are just going to be like so shocked that he said the word porn. Um, and he's very proud of himself. But beyond the focus on what you consume in media, <laughs> let's talk health. Specifically, let's talk about what food you consume and how committed you are to exercise. For most of my life, I didn't make the full connection between making sound choices for my health and being able to unlock a richer life. Now, at 44, I not only see the very clear correlation But I also appreciate the responsibility I have as a father to model the kind of adult I want my kids to become. Is fast food still a part of your life? If it is, I pass no judgment and encourage you to live your very best life. But if you hope for bigger things, you've made a choice that comes at the expense of exceptional. Have you decided to believe a lie that this whole workout thing just isn't for you? If that's so, I pass no judgment and hope that the couch you're sitting on is as comfortable as possible. But 
if you're not moving your body regularly, you've prioritized that couch of yours over an exceptional life. And yes, before you send your angry notes about how me not understanding the hours that you work or the arthritis in your knees or that your family of all origin and how you're all big boned, you need to hear loud and clear that if it were easy, everyone would be in great shape and eating well. Yes, it's kind of hard to have a life that's fulfilling. Yes, it takes work, but that's what you're modeling to your kids. Yes, it requires mustering the strength to say yes to things you don't necessarily want to. Daily workouts or no to things you love. Goodbye, apple fritters. I get you and your reasons, and I challenge you to get over them if you want to live a life that's worth living. It's hard to go to the gym every morning at 5 a.m. I do not like it one little bit, especially when it's cold. Definitely not after the time change in winter. Okay, I could read more, but I just want to dig into that bit right there. Written by a man who lives in, at worst, Austin, Texas. And more likely, Los Angeles. Where you know what it doesn't do in the fucking winter? Get cold in a way that I, as a hardy New Englander and designer, <laughs> recognize as valid. I'm so sorry that the 56 degree weather was a little too chilly for you in your probable Canada goose down jacket, Dave Hollis. On your way to the gym for which you can afford a membership while someone else cleans your house and takes care of your children again bless up you absolute piece of shit there's still more from this i want to read he talks about ordering pizza delivery and how much he loves pizza and he says but you know what i love more having the energy to play with my kids you know what i love most having a body that's just a little bit more in shape each day so that my wife is swatting my behind in a way that says we're Totally having sex later. Important that everyone knows he follows this with the following sentence. That said, hear this. This conversation about health isn't about how you look or how much you weigh. It's about how you feel. Is it you just David? have to keep bringing up his dick, Margaret. <laughs> Again. Kate, if it is in my head. It's in mine, and I hate it. You know what? I think that reference to dicks really went sideways for you. (laughs) Anyways, that was my dramatic reading. You're welcome. (laughs) Let's move on to dramatic. No, that's what we're let's. uh, We're in a time loop. Fuck. Let's move on (laughs) to reader's advisory. Um. In, if you're in the live event, there's a green button below my face that will take you to a link to purchase some much better Ooh. books via Porter Square Books. Please support yeah. this local business. Um, <laughs> please, and we'll link to it later because because um, we've all been talking so much about this bad book that we don't have a ton of time to talk about good books. Mm-hmm. But I do want to hype up Porter Square Books um, a little bit. I mean, a yeah. lot. But specifically... Um, one book that I put on here, just as an example of like a less toxic 
book by a less toxic man is um, Alan Cummings' memoir, Baggage, which I'm holding up to the camera if you hear. And I don't know, it says signed first edition. And I purchased this from Porter Square Books. I walked Ooh, in yeah. and I was like, ooh, Journey. I want to read this. Oh, signed first edition. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> so if you support a local, you know, Amazon's not going to give that to you. Your mm-hmm. local independent bookstore, Porter Square Books, will give it to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And look if at this you squiggle. Away, this squiggle from Alan Cumming. As many folks in the chat are, uh, you can order online from Porter yeah. Square Books and support our local independent bookstore uh and it would be great Mm -hmm. and let me tell you something so i get as a librarian as the person that i am i give a lot of books as gifts and then when this whole pandemic started uh but i used to go and buy them in person at the store and then personally mail them and then when the pandemic started i was like "Eh, i'll just shop online and have them send directly to my friends and and mostly um like to my parents like So my mom, I sent her some books for like Mother's Day or her birthday or something. And she was like, oh, my God, this package from Porter Square Books, like they wrapped it so nice. This is so much better than any package you've ever sent me. And I was like, you know what? That's probably probably true. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Porter Square Books. My mom loves your packages. (laughs) Porter Square Books really made a positive brand deposit with those. Yes. Actually, Um, I'm going to say. That every interaction I have with Porter Square Books, they make a brand deposit. They've never made a brand withdrawal. Yes. Very Thank true. you, Porter Square Books. You, um, the other like, book, I just want to really understand this situation. <laughs> Absolutely. The other book that's on our list that I want to shout out is, of course, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Kate and I enjoyed so much and i know that then matthew mcconaughey went on to maybe say some slightly anti-vex stuff but then i feel like he kind of backpedaled that again and i've oh, returned so to my pro intelligence from him no also that just keep living our, in guys you know i really respect the podcast who weekly and their acknowledgement that debbie lovato is just they're one of our dumbest celebrities and like it's yes. not fair to expect other things from them that's just that is just who they are, and that's beautiful. Yeah, and the same is true of Matthew McConaughey. Yes. yes, and so that said, because of our love for Matthew McConaughey, Kate and I got just keep living bracelets, and I think wow. that what we need is to get some three percent charms to affix <laughs> Hang on to the just keep living yeah. bracelet, yeah. right? And right. just like you know, like power up, like that's the next <laughs> evolution of our accessories. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the only answer. Um, so yeah, again, this link, check it out. Please support Porter Square Books. Either of you have any books you want to specifically mention before we zoom on? Um, I specifically put in uh, High Fidelity by Nick Hornby and also about a boy by Nick Hornby because if I'm going to spend this much time enmeshed in the perspective of like a deeply toxic man, I would like it to be funnier and I would like it to be more self-aware. Um, and those books both accomplish that task really beautifully. Um, also the cultural reference points they use are like dramatically more interesting to me than literally anything Dave Hollis has ever cared about. So anything Dave has ever put in his Pinterest board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think I put on stay sexy and don't get murdered by Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark for any murderinos out there who haven't already read that, <laughs> um, you know, which is they're, they're always, very real in a way that I feel Rachel Hollis is perhaps not very real. And Dave Hollis definitely is not very real. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and not a book, but I did this weekend finish watching The Gay Pirate Show. So if you haven't watched Our Flag Means Death yet and you want to see toxic masculinity completely dissected on the screen, uh, go for it. It's on HBO Max. I'm just about to watch that for my uh, currently on hiatus, but soon not to be television podcast. So, Excellent. Oh, yay. That's good news. Good. Our flag is death. Put a, put a cat on it. Put an ally cat on your flag. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So again, please buy these books from Porter Square Books. Do not buy Dave Hollis's book. Do not. No, oh, also, I meant to say in the chat, I saw some people talking about wanting to book a cameo from Dave Hollis. Do not give that man your don't money, even for don't a do joke. That. Do not <laughs> give it to him. Uh, buy a cameo Find from a, a drag queen. Obviously. Yeah. Find a cameo from a drag queen and pay them to imitate Dave Hollis. And it'll be a thousand percent better. Yes. Yes. And it'll um, really challenge them to a new level of their art. And I think that that's beautiful. Yes. Challenges are how we grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, In difficult seasons, especially. It, especially. Okay. Speaking of which, this has been a difficult technical season. But I think, um, <laughs> Catherine, I think it's time for our slideshow. If we can <laughs> screen through that. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for a blessing directly up. <gasps> yes! <laughs> I can't see it. Are you guys are acting like you can see it? Yes, we I can, can see, see it. it. You can see it. I'm so oh, glad that you're the person. There we go. That you're okay. the person who needs to read it most. Can the folks in the chat see it? Okay. So this is a new game called Ally, 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 or Ali. (laughs) This is is a a whole new segment. I think it's only relevant for this. Um, Next slide, please. (laughs) So I've prepared the slideshow. I will read a quote to you, and you need to guess which of these people said it. Is it Chief Ally, Dave? And I... (laughs) What, on my screen, I feel like our faces are covering his tattoo, which is a big photo, <laughs> but um, it'll be in the slideshow later. So our mm-hmm. chief ally, Dave, Ali McBeal, Ali Maine, which is Lady Gaga's character from A Star is Born. Or Ali Gaga. Her name is Ali Gaga. Yeah, Ali we Gaga. did discuss that. Um, I also want to put an asterisk that much like Dr. Seuss, there are a million quotes that are attributed to Ali that are like um not that he didn't say and so i kept trying to like scrub the internet and like fact check these quotes but i might still have accidentally gotten some fake ones in there from ali so if something seems like maybe he would have said it and maybe somebody on a usa today list of best muhammad ali quotes might have put it in there (laughs) go with that um next slide please okay it's lack of faith that makes people afraid of meeting challenges and i believed in myself Okay. Said it. I think that. Whoa. Oh, well. Okay. Well, I I'm so sorry to Muhammad because I certainly would have said that that was Dave Hollis. Oh, see, I was gonna say it was uh, Ali Gaga. It was Muhammad Ali, allegedly. <laughs> All right. Um. Next slide, please. Okay. So, um, so I'll oh. read the quote, and then let's wait for them to guess. A life okay. of growth means a life of accelerating discomfort. Who said it? I do think that that is Chief Ally Dave Hollis. I also think that's Chief Ally Dave Hollis. All right, let's see the Dave next Hollis slide. Consensus. 
right, next slide, please. You never lose when you fail. You only learn from the experience. I think that's Dave Hollis again. Um, I'm going to go with Allie McBeal. All right, let's see the next slide, please. Ah! <laughs> Suck it. Two days Did you row, learn from so that experience or do you feel like you just lost that round of the game? <laughs> uh, we can only I learn didn't have from... to learn from the experience because I won. <laughs> Right. the wrong ones can't hurt you but the right ones they're the killers that is defo alley mcbeal hey baby i'm just trying to get the dog to come and hang out on my lap yes. because he keeps trying to go out the door uh, um i am gonna go ali gaga there all right let's go. see the next slide I'm yeah. Margaret, you're yeah. killing this game. Yeah, Margaret okay, rules. Okay. You're having such good opportunities for growth in this difficult season. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, what's the next one? What keeps me going is goals. Hmm. Who said it? This feels like Chief Ally Dave, but also there's already been two of him. Yeah. So I and feel like the law any Ally Gagas. Hmm. I'm going to stick with Dave. I'm going to go with Muhammad Ali. All right, let's see the next slide. <laughs> Margaret. Yeah, Margaret. <laughs> Margaret, okay. unstoppable. I'm just unnatural. All right, it's, let's it's see. It's so hard. I just don't okay. have, I'm not learning anything. We are the result of the life we've lived, but we only become prisoners of our mistakes if we allow it. Who said it? I'm going to go ahead and say that this was Ali Gaga, and I don't think it's true, but I don't think it's Chief Ally, and it's certainly not Ali McBeal. And we just had an Ollie, so I'm going to go Ali Gaga, and like maybe you can get a point up on me for once, Kate, and I'll finally learn something from failing. Maybe. Um, I am going to go with Ollie, just to... All right, let's see the just... next slide. Oh, oh, we're yeah. both wrong. It's fine. It was, it's fine. I feel so. I feel so learned. It was the chief ally. We're going so much, Ernie, aren't we, yes. baby? Okay. Here's the next one. I want to be more or equal, not less. I want to be happy with someone. I want to feel blessed. Who said it? I think that's Ali Gaga. Ali Gaga. Yeah. Let's see the next slide. <laughs> All right. Yes. And yes, to clarify, Ali Gaga is Ali Main from A Star is Born. In the chat right. or in our previous, we could not remember what her last name was and just called her Ali Gaga. Well, we're calling her by her maiden name. We're not calling her by her like That's married true. Name. Yeah, that's after she married. Anyway. All right. We're next feminists. one, please. How did I get to be such a mess so soon in my life? Defo Ali McBeal. Ali McBeal. Let's see the next yeah, slide. Yeah, look, look at those strappy '90s heels. <laughs> yes. All right. And next that preposterously slide. short skirt. Don't give up the power you have to be who you were meant to be because of what people who are not thinking about you might think. That is, unfortunately, I fully remember a quote from the stupid book you just both made me read. <laughs> that is Chief Ally, Dave. Isn't it, Ernie? Don't you agree? Yeah, I'm going to go with Dave. All right, next slide, please. Oh, yes, this is the chief ally. Mm -hmm. All Got right. Fucking tattoo. 
And the final quote of the game. Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? Who said it? Um, Oh, I mean, like, shouldn't we just sing Shallow now? (laughs) (laughs) But when it's right now, it doesn't seem like it could be from the chief ally. It does. When it's that ain't hard keeping it so hardcore. But yeah, let's see the next slide. Uh, yeah, it was Ali yeah. Main. Yeah, it's Ali Gaga again. Ali Gaga. Like I don't All know. Right. I don't know her. <laughs> oh God, the dancing baby. That was so good. Thank, Thank you so, so much, much for Renata. creating that gem, Renata. Thank you. Renata, you gave Kate so many opportunities for growth with that game. It's true. <laughs> I've learned so much. This was a difficult season, but I've gotten through it. When we were brainstorming, Margaret did suggest a game where I photoshopped an ally tattoo onto other celebrities, but uh, this was less work. So, <laughs> And then Billy on the street style, we would have to guess whether she, uh, they would have gotten that tattoo to honor either Dave Hollis, chief ally, um, Ali Gaga, or Ali McBeal. Okay. Um, but this is a great um, game, too. You know? Yes. Okay, let's, okay, by the way, God, this is going so late, and so some people online have been asking, like, hey, you stopped doing candy pairing, and you stopped doing so many games, and it's because we talked too much, and then the episodes were too long, and that's why we stopped doing them, but, however, we're gonna try to squeeze in a few more games before we get kicked out of Crowdcast, because we owe that to you. Yes. Yeah. So... Would you rather get 23 leopard print tattoos on your arms as Sarah J. Mass made Selena Kyle do, or get one alley? No, sorry, one ally. <laughs> you know what? Who knows? Either way, if you get it, maybe yours is for Allie. <laughs> if I could get it in a leopard print, I think everyone would know it was for Ali Gaga. However, I would still certainly get 23, 23 leopard print tattoos. See, you and, cracked uh, my. You cracked my secret, Renata. I was going to get the ally tattoo, but because I'm a lesbian, I think it'd be very easy to trick people oh. into thinking that it was... To celebrate Ali Gaga. To celebrate someone, Ali someone. Ali Gaga, which would you rather people assume it was? Ali Gaga or Ali McBeal? You know, I know. I, I have not watched You're either that movie or Ali McBeal, so I think... I would have to flip for it. I think right. I think Allie McBeal would be funnier. Allie McBeal would definitely be funnier. That's true. Um, I kind of want to keep this Alley Cat's knuckle tattoo, so I might get that. Honestly, I want both these Ally Cat knuckle tattoos <laughs> and I want leopard print tattoos actively. So this is a win-win scenario for yeah. me, frankly. A hundred percent. Um, okay. Would you rather have a high-paying, unchallenging job at Disney, or be the host of your own Quibi show. Come here, bud. Uh, I, oh, have hey, proven, I have proven on this show many, many, many times before that I am <laughs> deeply, deeply shallow and want nothing more. <gasps> oh, hi, Duarte. Are you going to show all the people watching your butthole? <laughs> oh, probably. He saw that Ernie got on camera and he was like, if that fucking dog is going to be on camera. <laughs> He's um, like, I, Duarte's like, I want a quibby, mom. Where's my quibby? 
<laughs> but yes, I, I have proven that I'm deeply, deeply shallow and a not challenging but incredibly high paid Disney job would solve a lot of problems for yeah. me. Seriously, I would like to have that job for one year and then quit and never work again in the rest of my life. Right? Or just like however many years it took me to earn I can live on this forever money. I think it would be like three or four. Yeah. Because you know what I'm not going to do? Have a personal trainer. You know what I'm not going to do? Pay a gym membership. You know what I'm going to keep doing? Eating fast food if I so much fucking feel like it. As a part of my genuinely exceptional life, you nitwit. Dave, to be clear. Neither of you. For you, Duarte. He's got so much to say. So much to say. He really hates cords and he gets like actively angry when I ear <laughs> wired earbuds. <laughs> Baby boy, you're the worst. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> I want a cookie for Duarte. I want to be able to monetize Duarte even more than I already have. Um, that's what I want. Get Baby, go take a walk. Oh, people are so happy to see you, but you cannot eat my earbuds. It was a bad scene. Okay. This is a difficult season for Duarte right now. <laughs> okay. And now one last would you rather that we must return to because I did foretell it. Would you rather eat a $22 grilled cheese sandwich near your lawyer's office in Beverly Hills or eat at Steaks and Cakes? <laughs> Which I, is, of course, you know, our beloved sponsor that serves only Steaks and Cakes. <laughs> I uh, I just can't. I can't bring myself to pay $22 for that grilled cheese sandwich, even if it is coated in like that weird gold foil leaf stuff that doesn't taste like anything, which I'm sure it must be to be $22 fucking for a grilled cheese. Uh, plus, you know, I am I am deeply loyal to our sponsor, Steaks and Cakes. So I will be dining on a full steak and then a full cake at Steaks and Cakes. I will certainly be having a $22 grilled cheese because I have no money sense and a deep and passionate love for grilled cheese. There's this question on Hinge to go back to my online dating life. It's like, what superpower would you like to have? And like, my answer is like very cute. It's like montaging. I can go into that at some point after the show if people are interested. But the real answer is I would like a body that processes bread and butter as a nutritionally complete meal, right? It doesn't mean that's all I have to eat, right? I don't eat nutritionally complete meals most of the time, but it's just like, if I ate bread and butter and literally nothing else, my body would be <laughs> like, oh my God, I've got everything I need to thrive, even in the most difficult that seasons of life. An incredibly good answer. Thank you. I also would like that. Thank you. I yeah. I live, I live the diet and the body suffers for it. But like, you know, I just think that we should have the technology by now to make that vision possible for all of us. But sure, look, I, I guess. I guess if it was easy to eat well and be in shape, everyone would be. And then Dave Hollis wouldn't feel as special. You know, maybe uh, maybe Maintenance Phase Podcast will figure out a way to make that possible and tell us all about it. I hope so. That, that's not really what they do, but maybe they could do it. Um, anyway, I... I would pay $22 for a grilled cheese for sure. It's not a good Easily. decision, but it's weird how easy that decision is. If you're a, if you're a vegetarian, you go to a fancy restaurant. Like a lot of times they're like, Oh yeah. Uh, grilled cheese, $22. That sounds fine. Here you go. And I'm like, you know, okay. um, but 
for this scenario, of course, I will also be joining Kate at Steaks and Cakes. Just, sure. just to keep the brand strong. Got to make a good brand deposit. Got to film my Quibi right. in the Steaks and Cakes parking lot. You know I can't goes. believe that was a Quibi. <laughs> what a great revelation. The yes. best revelation possible. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. People in the chat are talking about Dave's girlfriend. We don't even have time for this because we have to play the Rock Paper Stick now. Um. This is, of course, the game where Kate says who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I say who Wolverine <laughs> would be if he were in this book. And Margaret can choose which most enhances the book. Or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Rock, as we have already discussed, was tragically already in this book. Mm-hmm. So in a new twist on this game, mm-hmm. I would take the Rock <laughs> out of this book. Mm-hmm. Which, granted, would probably make the book 1% worse. Right. But it would also save The Rock from being associated even a little bit with this man. You know, I think all the long run. I think that um, Wolverine is really going to have to do something special to beat the satisfaction of literally taking The Rock's name out of that man's mouth. All right. Well, here's what Wolverine would do Uh, he would find the lines, she was a baby, she was a small baby rabbit. I was the scene from Swingers, afraid of it shredder to pieces with my bear claws on Pinterest. And then he would track down Dave Hollis and threaten to shred him to pieces with his Wolverine claws if Dave Hollis ever thinks or says anything like that about a woman ever again. I know violence is not the answer. Except when it is. And so I have to go with Snicked. Because I do think that Dave Hollis is someone who would benefit from having the right fear of the right God put into his heart. Bless up. Yes. I respect that. Yes. Uh, It was a difficult decision. What? I said it was a difficult decision. Yes. And The Rock's dignity. You know, I just think that it is great enough that it can handle this disgrace without being diminished. Yes. And I think that's beautiful. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Duarte. Uh, okay. Let's, I guess let's do a candy pairing real quick because people have been asking about that. My candy <laughs> pairing is a bear claw donut. For obvious reasons. Um, my candy pairing is like gross medicinal cough drops. <laughs> that no one wants and that like honestly even don't really make you feel better they just kind of make you feel the same way hard candy does and somehow try to convince you that they're actually healthy mm-hmm. in a similar vein my candy pairing is the um smart choices sugar-free peach gummies that my a genuinely well-meaning friend in a space of experimentation bought me knowing how much I like Haribo peach rings, which are real garbage with a lot of sugar both in and on them. Plus also I think probably like like the ground up powder of animal hooves to give them their delicious chewy consistency. And um, mostly what those peach rings taste like is um, sadness and judgment and uh, just like a lot of brand withdrawals. Like, uh, just, 
so much being withdrawn from the brand <coughs> every time I so much as looked at them. And I just think that is very analogous to the relationship between Rachel's books and Dave's books. Although, honestly, Rachel's books are not real Haribo peach rings. They're like the CVS brand ones yeah. that you buy when you can't get the real Haribo ones. And you're like, these aren't actually that good and they don't taste very much like peaches and the texture and consistency is kind of off. But I'm not actively mad I'm eating them, I guess. Whereas... Every single time you put those smart snack peach rings in your mouth. You're mad about it. So true. Um, um, okay, let's yeah. see. Um, good good candies. Um, Duarte jumped the line and did his segment a little bit earlier. So uh, mm -hmm. do any humans have any closing thoughts? I hate this man. I saw people in the chat saying we should have the second book. And I will do that when the Disney Corporation pays me my blood money and not a fucking moment sooner. So if you folks have other Christian self-help books you think we should read, you can try and bait me with that hook. But this one is not going to fly, fishing-wise. I mean, we've learned so many lessons. Like, I feel like we've learned to stand up for ourselves and not be bullied by the Hollis Company anymore. Yes. Mm -hmm. Unless they write a tell-all book about their divorce. In which case, we absolutely will read it. We'll or, absolutely read it. Oh, my God. If Dave's present slash ex, unclear, girlfriend writes a book, I will read it with you. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay. So uh, focus on telling uh toxic Barbie. Toxic Barbie, tell her to write a tell her to write a tell all memoir. Yes. And then we can keep this Hollis gravy train going. Yes. Um okay. Rachel's right. The maintenance the maintenance phase podcast is very good. It is very good. Yes. Both the Hollis episode and all of the other ones that I've subsequently listened to. Yes. Great. Um, however, back to us. If you want to follow us on social media, we're Worst Best Sellers on Facebook and Instagram. We are on Twitter at Worst Best Seller with no S because the S was in one of Rachel's angry emails. Um, <laughs> our website's worstbestsellers.com. Again, please support Porter Square Books. We'll have the link um, to their stuff on our website, worstbestsellers.com. There's that's it from me. Uh, you can follow, uh, subscribe to us on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, all of the places where podcasts are. And if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier yeah. for new people when to you find rate us. If you don't rate and review, you're not being your most exceptional self. Yeah. And you really need to grapple with that. Yeah. Yes. If you're not rating and reviewing, we don't judge you. But you are making a choice not to have an exceptional life. Yes. Additionally, we have a Patreon available at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like buy new equipment, keep our website running, uh, send Margaret apology flowers for making her have to read this book. Apology flowers? <laughs> bullying flowers. <laughs> <laughs> 
in return, you get perks like a newsletter, which will go out this week. I'm sorry. It's been so late. That is 100% on me not to pull this card, but I did have COVID. Um, <laughs> Kate, you've heard your excuses. <laughs> if you were really exceptional, you simply would not have. Yeah. We would have chosen an exceptional license. Oh my god, we are going to murder Kate. <laughs> this isn't a bit. I just love when I laugh. <laughs> um, Kate's trying to tell you about Patreon, so just join it so she can stop talking. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who already has. You are truly blessings in our lives in a non-dick way. In the yes. best way. Um, we have merch available at worstbestsellers.com and also a link to our Discord server, which has come up in the chat. Uh, it is a great place where you can talk to all of these great people in the chat about this nonsense and basically literally anything else you want. I think I saw at one point that Julia posted a sampler based on things we said, a pattern, a cross-stitch pattern based on things we said uh, in this oh episode in the Discord That's... already. Wow. <laughs> so... and, and everyone's been posting photos of their cats uh, participating <laughs> in this live show. So if you love a cat content... As I do, it's very good place to be. <laughs> um, finally, if you want me personally on Twitter, I'm at Renata Snacks. Uh, if you want me personally on social media, I'm mostly on Instagram these days at at 14 across. And if you want me personally on social media, I am Mrs. Friday Next on Twitter, but I would really appreciate a follow on Instagram because they just denied my verification and I want them to regret it. And I'm Mrs. Friday Next on both platforms. They, ooh, Let's sue them also. Sure. After we get the money from Disney, we can sue Instagram. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Meta has so much to pay for in my life. And they can just Ugh. start with the pain of unfairly rejecting my verification because I am verifiably exceptional in a way Dave Hollis can only dream of being. Absolutely. Um, in, in the final last bit of our podcast closing... At the time this is released on our audio feed, we are planning that our next episode will be the beginning of Flashback Summer. We don't know what that'll be yet, so embrace the mystery. Thank you so much for listening. End podcast. Sorry, happy birthday, sorry, thank you.